A few years ago, a uh, retired man in Boston received a call from the Treasury's Abandoned Property uh, Division. And they said, sir, we, um, we believe we have some unclaimed stock uh, that uh, we believe belongs to you. And uh, they listed the, co- the name of the company that uh, the stock was in, a tech company. And the man remembered buying some 3,000 shares uh, back when it was a small startup company years ago on the recommendation of his sister. And, uh, but he thought he had sold it all to pay for his kid's college. Um, and it turns out, as they deliberated, uh, that he had actually sold only two-thirds of it. He still had a 1,000 shares. And he went up in the attic, and sure enough, he had these stock certificates he'd utterly forgotten about. And now at the age of 67 years old, the value of the stock, wait for it, you won't even believe this, was $4 million. He was a multi-millionaire for decades. That was the fact, but he had no idea until someone called him and told him the good news that changed his life. It's amazing. 1,990 years ago this week, Sunday, April 5th, AD 33, the resurrected Son of God walked out of his Judean tomb victorious over sin, death, and Satan, and it changed everything. Changed world history, changed cosmic reality, it changed every single one of our lives. Yeah, you can clap for that, that's all right. (laughs) But like that man in Boston, Like that man in Boston, the resurrection is just a fact until somebody calls you and tells you the good news that'll change your life. Today, I want to look with you at three individuals from the New Testament, three little vignettes of stories, uh, all from the Gospel of John, which is one of the four biographies we have of Jesus written by one of his disciples. And and in, in each of these people's cases, the resurrection has already happened. It's a fact, it's reality, but they don't know it yet. And so this is the moment they find out their world is gonna change. It's the moment they get the call that changed their life. So let's look at each of these individuals. We're gonna look at Mary's encounter, Thomas's encounter, and Peter's encounter, all right? Mary, Thomas, and Peter. As we jump in, would you pray with me? Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would come and be our teacher. Jesus Christ, we pray that you would lift high your name. Holy Spirit, would you convict our hearts, press us close to you today. Help us to understand the magnitude of the resurrection of Jesus for our lives. It'll change everything. We really believe that. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. 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 All right, first, Mary's encounter. Mary's encounter. On resurrection morning, a group of ladies go to the tomb uh, to finish the embalming process for uh, Jesus. One of them is a lady by the name of Mary Magdalene. She's from Magdala. That's where she gets that second name, Mary Magdalene. She had suffered from severe demonic uh, oppression, possession for many years, and uh, Jesus was the one who liberated her and set her free. If you want to read about that, that's in Luke chapter 8. 
And ever since that day, uh, Mary had been following Jesus because no one understood her like Jesus. She was, he's the one who really got her trauma and her pain. Uh, he was the one person in all the world who had seen her at her absolute worst moments, and he loved her just the same. But now he was gone, crucified, dead, and buried, her lifeline to freedom and healing and safety had been severed. And here she is weeping and alone without her Jesus to cling to. This is John chapter 20, verses 11 down to 18. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, still stooping to look into the tomb, she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus had lain one at his head and one at his feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, Tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. No one said her name like Jesus did. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. She grabbed a hold of him like she'll never let go. Verse 17, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. I've still got work to do. Uh, the redemption is still coming. You can hold me later. But go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. So off Mary goes with the good news that the resurrection would change everything. But for Mary, something deep changed inside that day. Her day had begun with sorrow beyond words, and it ended with a joy she couldn't stop talking about. Because the resurrection, friends, turns sorrow into joy. The resurrection turns sorrow into joy. Friends, if, if the resurrection can turn Mary's heart-wrenching sorrow into life-changing joy, if the resurrection can turn a Friday crucifixion into the glory of Easter morning, just imagine what Jesus' resurrection can do for you, for your sorrows, for your story, for your life. The resurrection turns sorrow into joy. That's Mary's encounter, first vignette. Now the second vignette. Let's look at Thomas's encounter. Thomas was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, and he had pinned a lot of his hopes and dreams on Jesus, who, who he might be, what he might do. Maybe he would be Messiah and the king and bring Israel back to the glory days. But all of his hopes and dreams came crashing down on Friday when Jesus was crucified. His dreams died that day. 
And then after the resurrection, Jesus came. He appeared to the disciples on a, in, in a room, but Thomas was not there. And so when they told him, we've seen the Lord, he said, no, I'm not going to believe. John 20, verses 24 to 28. Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. Now just pause for a moment. I think Thomas gets a bad rap for his disbelief here. I I personally think he's just too afraid to hope again. He's he's like, look, I've already had all my dreams dashed. I hoped once. I'm not going to do it again unless it's for real. I think that's pretty reasonable. Verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands, put, your, put out your hand, place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And just like that, Thomas goes from someone who was too afraid to hope again to making the boldest statement in the Gospel of John about Jesus' deity, my Lord and my God. And you you see, friends, the resurrection turns fear to faith. The resurrection turns fear into faith. And if the resurrection can turn Thomas's fearful skepticism into worshipful faith, if the resurrection can turn the fear of death into the wonder of eternal life, just imagine what Jesus' resurrection can do for you, for your fears, for your future, for your life. The resurrection turns fear into faith. That's Thomas's encounter, the second vignette. Now let's look at the third, Peter's encounter, Peter's encounter. Peter was another one of Jesus' disciples. And on the night before Jesus was betrayed, arrested, and crucified, he had made some pretty bold pronouncements to Jesus. He told him that he would never disown him, that he would stand by his side no matter what, that he would even lay down his life for Jesus if it came to that. He wanted to be a man of courage. But when the chips were down, When it really mattered, Peter faltered. He denied Jesus three times, and Peter, realizing how badly he had messed up, it says he went out into the night and wept bitterly. So after the resurrection, when Jesus appeared to his disciples a number of times, Peter was in the room, but he had never brought up that failure. He had never brought up his big night of mistakes. He never quite found the courage to talk about it. He knew he needed to, but he dreaded it with all of his heart. Shame had him by the throat until the day that Jesus met him on the beach. This is John 21, verses 15 to 19. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these, more than these other disciples? 
It's a strange question, but remember, just a few days ago, he thought he did love Jesus better than everybody else. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Ah, notice he drops the comparison to others. He's speaking just for himself now. He said to him, feed my lambs. He, Jesus, said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Notice three questions for three denials. Jesus is forcing Peter to face the shame he doesn't have the courage to face in order to set him free. And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, you once thought you were strong enough to die for me. And then you discovered your weakness. But if you follow me, Peter, I will give you the kind of unflinching courage to allow you to both live and die for me. And just a few days later, friends, Peter stood up in the heart of Jerusalem before all the people he once feared and proclaimed that this Jesus, whom they had crucified, God had made both Lord and Christ as he raised him from the dead. And just a few, many years later, Peter died for Jesus. He did lay down his life for Jesus in Rome, crucified upside down because he didn't want to die the same way his beloved Jesus did. And don't you see how his life changed? It changed. The resurrection turns shame into courage. The resurrection turns shame into courage. And if the resurrection, friends, can turn Peter's cowardly shame into bold courage, if the resurrection can turn the shame of sin into the forgiveness and freedom and life, of following Jesus. Just imagine what the resurrection can do for you, for your shame, for your sin, for your life. The resurrection turns shame into courage. That's Peter's encounter. Now, I want you to notice, for all three of these people, what made all the difference in the world? They didn't screw up their courage. They didn't dig down deep and try harder. They didn't resolve to make a change on January 1st in their life. What did they do? What made the resurrection real and life-changing for each and every one of them was the moment that Jesus called their name. The moment Jesus called their name. Mary, Rabboni, Thomas, my Lord and my God. Simon Peter, Lord, you know I love you. The resurrection, friends, is only a fact until Jesus calls your name. The resurrection is only a fact until Jesus calls your name. 
Friends, the resurrection turns sorrow to joy. It turns fear to faith. It can turn shame into courage. The resurrection is chock full of life-changing power of Jesus, but it's only a fact until Jesus calls your name. And when you hear his voice and realize that he's come for you and turn to him, it makes all the difference in the world. It'll change your life. And friends, the, in that moment, when you finally turn to the Jesus who calls your name, you'll realize that the life-giving power of Jesus has been there all along. It's been right there in your attic. You just didn't even know about it. Until Jesus calls you with the good news that changes your life. The resurrection, friends, is so much bigger than $4 million worth of forgotten stock. <laughs> so much better. The resurrection, the resurrection means eternal life is on offer. It means death is not the end. It means everlasting is for real. The resurrection means life has purpose. It means there's beauty from ashes. It means there's hope breaking in. The resurrection means sin has been paid for. It means shame is undone. It means brokenness is mended. The resurrection means you're known completely. It means you're loved utterly. It means you're forgiven entirely. The resurrection means the Savior has come. The resurrection means the Lord is alive. And the resurrection means Jesus is King. Amen. But friends, these are only facts until Jesus calls your name. They're just facts until Jesus calls your name. Has he ever called your name? Have you ever heard his voice? Have you ever opened your heart and life to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? who walked out of the grave on his own two crucified and risen feet. Friends, is the Holy Spirit drawing you close this morning? Can you hear his voice calling you? Do you yearn to be alive? Friends, if you hear his voice today, do not harden your hearts. Come to Jesus and live, live. Now, how on earth do we do that? Coming to Jesus is simple, friends. It's as simple as A, B, C. A, we admit, we admit that we're sinners far from God. There's nothing we can do to make our way back home. B, we believe that Jesus came to live a perfect life, to lay down his life for our sake on the cross, to pay for our sins, to wash us clean, and to bring us home to God as his children. And see, we commit, we commit our lives to him and say, come be my savior, come be my Lord, be my everything, I'm yours. A, B, C, admit, believe, commit. And I'm not naive. 
I know a whole bunch of you are here because grandma invited you. I know a whole bunch of you are here because it's what you do. Can I just challenge you? If the resurrection is real, you cannot take this lightly. If it is real, everything changes. You can't dabble around with Jesus. Either he is the resurrected son of God or he's not worth an ounce of your time, but you can't sit on the fence with Jesus. Maybe today is the moment where you hear his voice and you say, I wanna respond. I wanna reach out to Jesus. I know my life needs change. I wanna come home. Maybe Najin's story challenged you a real life human being who last Easter came home to the Father and has never been the same since. Jesus is changing lives in 2023. He's still alive. So I'm just gonna pray. And I'm gonna pray a prayer that is the kind of prayer we pray when we come home when we respond and turn to Jesus. And if you're ready to do that, would you just repeat these words after me where you are? As a matter of fact, for everyone here who's following Jesus, let's just repeat these words together to make everybody comfortable. But would you pray after me as we pray this prayer? Let's pray. Just repeat after me these words. Heavenly Father, just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I admit that I am a sinner, that I have wandered far from you, and I cannot find my way home. I believe in Jesus, that he came for me, that he died for me, that he rose again for me. And I commit myself to you. Would you be my Savior? Would you be my Lord? Would you be my everything? I want to follow you. Here I am. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, would you do something for me? If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, could you be super courageous like Peter? And I'm gonna to count to three, would you just shoot your hand in the air because we wanna welcome you home, okay? Just shoot your hand in the air boldly, courageously. One, two, three, shoot it up there, boom. There it is. Resurrection. Amen. Welcome home, welcome home. Hey, at the end of the service, we're gonna have a prayer team up here. If you raise your hand, come on down. We've got a Bible for you. We want you to start your walk with Christ out well, all right? Happy resurrection morning, everybody.